Monday night, July the 31st, and we are on air for Fan for Racing Radio. Tonight we are going to cover our Richmond NASCAR race review along with Hot Topics Sound Off. So uh, Alex Segala, our co-host, should be joining us shortly. In the meantime, I'm going to give you our rundown for the night. Uh, in our first half hour, uh, we are going to start with the latest short track news and then review the ARCA West Series race out at Shasta Speedway that took place this weekend. We'll also include a brief ARCA Menards and ARCA East Series update. In our next half hour, we're going to review the NASCAR Truck Series race that took place at Richmond Raceway uh, this weekend and the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Road America. In our third half hour, we have a guest, Sean Hingarani, the ARCA driver of the number 15 Venturini Motorsports Toyota, will join our conversation. And uh, he won the race out of Shasta Speedway uh, this past weekend. Now, afterward, we are going to review the NASCAR Cup Series race at Richmond, and we'll end this episode with the Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with our Fan for Racing crew, and we have both Jay and Tommy coming on board for that. So uh, a lot to talk about here on Fan for Racing Radio tonight. Uh, I'm going to start with some short track news, uh, and I'm going to start over at Racing America. Uh, there's uh, a lot uh, going on in the short track racing world. And officials from the ASA Stars National Tour have invited Scott Hansen and Stephen Holshausen to attend the Tuesday night, August 1st, Grand Red Auto Group 250 at Wisconsin's International Speedway as guest of honor. So uh, that's uh, a big deal. Uh, happening up in Wisconsin this weekend for the ASA Stars National Tour for tomorrow night. So that's happening very soon. Uh, Holthausen, by the way, won the race then known as the Dixieland 250 in 1992. And Hansen is a two-time Dixieland winner in 93 and again in 1999. So uh, really cool. Uh, to do this cross-generational uh, uh, meeting of minds, if you will, uh, at Wisconsin International Speedway tomorrow night. So uh, also the Bob Finley Memorial was moved to Owasso. It's now paying $20,067 to win. That is huge, uh, again, in the short track racing world. Uh, the Bob Finley Memorial for the reveal, the Hammer Outlaw Late Model Series, will still take place in 2023, albeit at a different venue than originally planned. And now with an increased purse, offering more than $20,000 uh, to win. So it was released on Monday and announced that the Bob Finley Memorial will take place on September 23rd at Owasso Speedway. The event had originally been scheduled to play, take place on July 26th at Corrigan Oil Speedway, but has been the story, as has been the story this year, rain postponed that event. So um, 
Again, we want to make sure everybody knows that that event is still taking place, but it will be in September at a different track. Also, there's the best of the best ready for the Milton Cat Summer Classic, the 250 Challenge. After two weeks of rest and relaxation, uh, the major preparation for the American Canadian Tour is ready to return to New- their New Hampshire home of White Mountain Motorsports Park. So, uh, again, that race will take place this Saturday, August the 5th, the second consecutive $10,000 to win extra distance showdown for the ACT faithful with the many an invading challenger ready to take on the driver favorite bull ring as the championship chase begins to grow ever more serious with three events in August set to shake up the standings so uh, they're back in action and a lot to look forward to with that race this Saturday Okay, I keep checking to see if Sal is here. I don't see him here yet. Uh, I'm going to head over to Flow Racing and the news uh, for Flow Racing uh, that is taking place there. Today at 5.30 p.m., the Wild Thing Kart Series will be racing at Stafford, uh, so you may be watching that on Flow Racing as we speak. Uh, So tomorrow... There's going to be the summer shootout at 4 p.m. Central Time out at Charlotte. Uh, so you'll want to check that race out uh, this week as well. Also tomorrow is the STSS at Action Trek USA. Again, that's 4 p.m. Central Daylight Time, and that will be over at Flow Racing. Uh, so a lot of racing taking place. Uh, this weekend, uh, and a lot for you to look forward to there. So, I'm trying to look for the news stories. They usually, let's take a look at dirt. Uh, dirt says, uh, dirt racing, Tim Schaefer and Grove Racing Sprint Car Team actually are parting ways. You can read about that over at Flow Racing. And Brady Bracon brings home his second Indiana Sprint Week title. So uh, both of those stories are up over at Flow Racing. On pavement, the stories are Dylan Wilson wins the Cars Tour Throwback Best Appearing Car Award. And after 40 tries, Mason Diaz finally becomes a Cars Tour winner at Hickory Speedway. So, again, both of those stories are over at uh, Flow Racing. And under the drag racing banner, Flying H Drag Strip is added to the 24 NHRA National Event Schedule. And Funny Car Chaos gearing up for an inaugural event at Albuquerque Driveway, or Albuquerque Dragway. So both of those stories are up over at Flow Racing as well. So uh, hopefully uh, you'll read about all of that over at Flow Racing. Uh, A lot going on there. And under action, round seven recap, Greaves leads the the Pro 4 at Dirt City, the winner in Pro 2. 
There's also a preview of Dirt City Motorplex Off-Road National for 2023. You can read about all of that, again, over at Flow Racing. So a lot of storylines at Flow Racing, a lot to uh, read about and watch at Flow Racing if you're looking for a race to watch. I'm going to head now over to Short Track Scene. Hopefully Sal will show up here soon, already 10 minutes into the show. Uh, So hopefully we'll hear from him uh, before too long here. Uh, They've also got a story about Mason Diaz and Cole Rip Butcher earning their first car wins in throwback races, uh, races that were delayed to Sunday evening by Saturday thunderstorms. So uh, you can read more there. Uh, Galaki scores a $10,000 Actour uh, Mount Magni win, and Johnson dodges a spin for Monaco's modified win at Star. So uh, that's a tri-track series. Garrett Hall goes fast in the GSPSS debut at Speedway 95, and the Butterbean experience is on display with Hampton Heat win. Tyler Rorig can't be stopped at Berlin, and Jeremy Doss wins at Five Flag Speedway after uh, William Byron uh, was given a DQ. Again, some of that's old news. We've talked about the, some of that before. But uh, a lot to read about over at uh, Short Track Scene. Uh, they have stories covering uh, by the super late models, the pro late models, the late models, modifieds, and other series, as well as commentary. Uh, and so there's a lot of commentary uh, stories that you can read about over at uh, Short Trek Scene as well. So, uh, again, a lot to look forward to with the Short Trek Racing. Uh, let's see. I think I've covered just about everything they have over there. Uh, let me look and see if there's anything that's, uh, old news. Uh, again, some of this is kind of old news, so I don't want to repeat it. Uh, we're looking for Sal to be joining us here, uh, momentarily, almost, um, we're 11 minutes now into the show. Um, Sal comes to uh, the race to the radio show on Mondays, rather right from work. So sometimes it takes him a minute to kind of get uh, lined up and set up for his radio show portion uh, for tonight. I'm hoping uh, he comes on before we end the short track news in case he has anything. Uh, sometimes he has news from the SRL. I'm going to look that up real quick and see if there's any news for the Southwest Tour real quick. Um, Zach Teleford is set to take on Colorado National Speedway in the Salted Metals 150, and Jacob Gomes accepts the double-down challenge for Berlin and Colorado National. So uh, uh, some great stories to look forward to there. And also the 2023 Summer Showdown winner now heads to the Salted Metals 150 for the SRL. Um, 
There's also the SRL National. The next event is the Berlin 250 on August the 9th. Uh, so uh, you can uh, get all the details for that SRL National Series race uh, taking place at Berlin, the Battle at Berlin on uh, August the 9th. So Sal is finally here. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Um, I am trying to figure out. You sent me an email, and uh, I still don't know how this darn thing works. Well, if you've got the Teams app, you go to the top and, and click on the personal Teams app, and that's how you're going to get to the new one. It should be on your top left side. I'm frustrated. I'm never miss a message. Huh? Is it is it under Sal or is it under Race Day Chat, Hot Topics, Staff Race Radio? It's under Sal. Okay, Sal. Okay, then I then at the top I go to what? Well, the Thursday, July 31st agenda, and just below that is the Arkham Art Series West, Shasta Speedway, Post Race okay. Note. There it is. Okay, found it. Found it. Okay, we're ready to go ahead and move on to our <laughs> Post Race Notes for the Shasta 150 presented by West Coast Stock Car Motorsports Hall of Fame. And Sean Hingarani snatched the lead from General Tire Pole Award winner Trevor Hodgson to lead the final 39 laps and win the Shasta 150. It was Ingarani's third Arkham Menard Series West win of this season, and that moves him to just seven within seven points of the leader, Landon Lewis, in the battle for the series championship. Huddleston finished second after starting from the pole and leading 111 laps. Huddleston now led more laps, 246, than any other Arthur Menard Series West driver in 2023. Huddleston's runner-up finish was also the 50th career West Series top 10 finish. Driving the Cole Raz made his Arkham Menard Series West debut. He's driving for longtime West team owner Jerry Pitts. Raz qualified an impressive fifth and ended up finishing the race in third. So congratulations to Cole Raz. Yeah, just just a little note on that. Um, Cole Raz's older brother, Grayson Grayson Raz, used to run for before it was Jerry Pitts. It was um, uh, Gene Price. Gene Price Motorsports, and Jerry Jerry um, Pitts was Grayson's um, uh, crew chief at the time because they had two crew chiefs. They had Jeff Jefferson and Jerry Pitts. So they bought the team, and then they split up, and then now he's with them. So it's kind of neat to see the brother thing go make a complete 360, and now Cole's in the car that his brother used to race. I don't know, what, Sharon, 10 years ago, 8 years ago? Yeah, it's been a while. Something like that? Yeah, it's been a while. But anyways, um, Lewis scored his sixth top five finish, fourth and seven West starts. 
2023, Lewis leads the West Series with a 5.5 average finish on the year. Now, Eric Nascimento followed the runner-up finish at Irwindale Speedway with his second consecutive top-five finish in fifth place. And then from there, then we went to uh, Kyle Keller earned his first top ten finish sixth since he also finished sixth at Orendale Speedway in the second race of the 2000, excuse me, 2023 season. And Tanner Reif, he finished seventh, his fifth top ten finish this season. Reif was driving for the, for the team, Bill McAnally Racing's number 16 team, that won the last time the West Series raced at Shasta. But that was back in 2015 when Chris Eggleston was driving that car. Wow. Sure. Eight years ago. Nick Jodidis yep. matched his second-best finish set at Orendale in July in eighth. And Bradley Erickson was challenging for a top-five finish when he spun out while battling for position with Tanner Wright. Erickson dropped to ninth at the finish, but it was his sixth top-ten finish of the season. He's been having a pretty good season. Yeah, he has, Bradley. He's he's uh, he's early and earlier on in the season. He was challenging for a couple wins. Um, mm-hmm. That Nakey Clower um, uh, Motorsports has really given him a good uh, a good piece to race in. Um, Todd Sousa finished tenth in his first start in his team's second car. Central Coast Racing fielded two cars for the first time with Phoenix winner Tyler Wright piloting the number 13 car. Qualified third and ran among the top 10 most of the night before he was involved in the first caution of the night, dropping him to 14th at the finish. Also, Tyler Wright departed the Loudon-Jackson Motorsports team leading into the Shasta 150, and he was replaced by reigning series champion Jake Drew. Drew qualified fourth, and spent much of the night in the top five before mechanical issues put him behind the wall with 18 laps remaining. That dropped him to a 16th place finish. There are just two cautions on the night, both for minor incidents slowing the, the race to just 12 laps, allowing for race winner Sean Hingerine to set a new race record for the West Series at Shasta Speedway at an average speed of 70.508 miles per hour. Hey, that's pretty exciting. Uh, anytime yeah. you can see a new track record, that's uh, pretty pretty exciting. Well, the next race for the Arkham and Art Series West is the Napa Auto Parts 150 at Evergreen Speedway. That will be on Saturday, August the 19th, and the race will be streamed live on Flow Racing starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and that's 6.30 p.m. Pacific time. So uh, the the battle continues there in the ARCA West Series. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's starting to heat up. Um, Sean, like you you said earlier, you know, he – in one of your readings, you know, that he's only seven points out. Um, you know, he was 14 out, now he's only seven. So with that win, that win really catapulted him. It's going to make it exciting for the last uh, few races left in the season. Yeah, let's go ahead and cover the points for the West Series, so. Okay, the point, so the points up- for the West. I don't know if they updated them yet or not. 
No, that's updated. That says John Hingarani's out by seven. Yeah, I'm going to the page right now. Standing Darker West, Darker West. Oh yeah, it is okay. So Landon Lewis is leading the points. Uh, Sean Hingarani is third, seven points out. Sean Hingarani is second. Second, I mean, second, second, third is third is Tra- Trevor Huddleston, who's 21 points out. And actually, Trevor has a really, if he can, gosh, if Trevor would have gotten the win this weekend, he would have really been close. But, um, yep. He still has a couple of good tracks coming left left on the season here. He seemed like he's heating up, so he could mm-hmm. really make this a really a good battle for the points. Um, fourth is Bradley Erickson, 24 points out. Um, 31 points out, and fifth is Tyler Reif. Um, up in the air, where, where he's going to race next, what car he's going to race in next next race. Uh, rumors are already surrounding that he's not going to be with uh, Todd Sousa at the next race. Anyways, oh, so in sixth, yeah, in, in sixth is Counter Rice's brother, race for Bill McNally Racing. Seventh is Todd Sousa. Eighth is Kyle Keller. Ninth is um, Eric Nascimento. And tenth is the Japanese, the driver from Japan, Takuma Koga. And he goes uh, back and forth to Japan uh, to race <laughs> every race. So, it's it's really amazing what he does. I, I really give him kudos. Yeah, same thing with David Smith. He comes from Vancouver, Canada, who's sitting at 11th in points. Mm-hmm. He goes all the way from Vancouver, from Vancouver, Canada, to race in the series. So he's another one that's uh, that um, that comes from out of the country to race. Yep. Uh, some storylines that you can catch on. Um, uh, ArcaRacing.com. Tyler Taylor Reimer is going to make his Arca Menard Series debut with Venturini Motorsports at the Illinois State Fairgrounds. So that gives us something to look forward to. And Chris Wright is also joining Venturini Motorsports uh, for the Henry Ford Health 200 out at Michigan International Speedway. And let's see what else. Uh, oh. Well, Sam Mayer is a uh, uh, ARCA East Series champ. He won the Xfinity Series this week at Road America. Well, I got I'm looking at the thing, and I don't have any. It's not showing me any. I'm on ARCA Menard Series page, and it's not showing any new uh, updates. Hmm. Okay. It's showing well, news me... from from last week from uh, Jesse Love's win at Pocono. Oh wow, that's weird. Yeah, yeah I you know. You might need to keep your cachet, uh, Sal. Okay. Let me. Uh, we already gave you when the next. To... Yeah. We gave you when the yeah, next race on August nineteenth for the Arca West out at Evergreen Speedway, but the next race for the Arkham Menard Series is the Henry Ford Health 200. That's going to be on August the 4th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time at Michigan International Speedway, and that one will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So a big stage for the Arkham Menard Series on August the 4th. Oh, yeah, they're... Uh... I don't know why my thing is 
And a combination event uh, for the ARCA East and the ARCA Menard series is going to take place on August the 11th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The Reese's 200 out at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Uh, that is the Reese's 200 uh, on FS1. So another big stage for that combination event as well. Let me see if my phone will have updates. They've already got the complete race day schedule for Friday's uh, uh, ARCA 200. Uh, Henry Ford Health 200 is actually the name of the race. Uh, They've already got that information up if you want to uh, check that out, if you're planning on going out to... um, to uh, the ARCA race at uh, Michigan this week. You can get all the details and find out where you can get your tickets over at ARCARacing.com. Okay. You're on the ARCA, you're on the ARCA huh? and Art Series West page, or you're on the ARCA and Art Series page, Sarah? Yep. Huh. Okay. Well, we're doing Arquinards anyway. It looks like we're at that top of the hour, so. Yeah. Must figure it out during the week. Top of the hour. Figure it out during the week. Okay. Just real quick, I will tell you, Jesse Love continues to lead in the Arquinards series. Uh, He's got a pretty comfortable cushion over Andres Perez de Lara at 69 points back. So uh, Jesse Love, uh, it looks like he's got the Arkham and Art Series pretty well in hand. Uh, but let's look at the East Series point standings. want to check that out real quick. In the East Series, it's William Sawalich, uh, and he is followed by Luke Benhouse. Just 11 points separate those two drivers in the East Series. And LeVar Scott is 28 points back, Zachary Tinkle 44 points back, and Tim Monroe, to cover the top five, is 66 points back. So uh, just an update real quick on the point standings for those other two series as well. <clears throat> okay, we're going to go. Uh, it's the top of the hour. Uh, or getting close to the top of the hour. We're a little ahead of schedule. But, Sal, let's go ahead and uh, cover uh, the Craftsman Truck Series race, the Worldwide Express 250 that took place uh, on Saturday. Uh, And Carson Hosevar was the winner at the age of 20, driving the number 42 Worldwide Express Chevrolet for Nice Motorsports. Bill Gould is his crew chief. It was his third victory in 70 Craftsman Truck Series races and his third victory and eighth top ten finish this year. It was his first victory and second top ten finish in four races at Richmond. Ty Majewski finished second, posting his second top ten finish in two races at Richmond and his 11th top ten finish of the season. Zane Smith in third posted his second top ten finish in four races at Richmond. And Jake Garcia, who finished fourth, was the highest finishing rookie 
of that race. Carson Hosefar won the Worldwide Express 250 at uh, Richmond Raceway on Saturday night after a pass over Ty Majeski in the number 98, just three laps from the finish. The win was his third of the season and his first at Richmond, the third of his career. Majeski actually started from the pole. He won the opening stages and dominated the race, leading 168 of the 250 laps. A pit road penalty following the stage two sent him to the rear of the field. He made up the lost positions and returned to the lead on lap two ten. Josefar, along with the majority of the lead lap trucks, made pit stops under green under green flag for tires in the closing laps. Majeski, however, stayed on track and despite the lap trucks Coming into play on a few occasions, the fresher tires for Josefar made all the difference. Zane Smith, as we mentioned, was in third, followed by Jake Garcia, and then it was Matt Mills and Corey Heim rounding out the top five, and then Matt Crafton, Nick Sanchez, Grant Infinger, and William Sawalich round out the top ten. The sixth-place finisher, Corey Heim, won the regular season championship. That was the season finale uh, that took place at Richmond. Matt Crafton finished seventh, and that was enough to earn him that final playoff spot. Entering the next race at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, the 10 playoff drivers are Corey Heim, uh, the 38 Zane Smith, Ty Majeski, Ben Rhodes, Grant Infinger, Christian Eckes, Carson Hosevar, Matt Benedetto, uh, Nick Sanchez, the rookie, and Matt Crafton. There were nine lead changes among four drivers and four cautions for 27 yellow flag left. The average speed of the race was 94.116 miles per hour. Uh, Val, your thoughts about the uh, top ten finishers? <clears throat> yeah, congrats to uh, um, Carson Hosovar for the win. Um, you know, Jake Garcia finally getting the top five finish. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's coming a little bit late in the season, but, you know, at least he's, you know, picking up some momentum, you know, going towards the end of the season, and, you know, and hopefully he can keep it going, you know, going into next season. I know he's learning a lot. All these, most of these tracks he's never been to before, so yeah, all this is due to him. Uh, let, me, let me see who else we have up there. Uh, William Solich, who's, uh, who's doing a lot of racing, but he's not racing trucks. He's racing super late models back mm-hmm. east over in, uh, in um, Five Flag Speedway. Um, uh, just all He's been in all the big races. So, uh, And then it's good to see Ty Majeski, you know, finally you know, get back up there in the you know, finish, get that second place finish. And Zay Smith just continues to be the dominant force in the um, in the truck series with that uh, third place finish. Yes, indeed. It was a great finish for Matt Mills. That's a name we don't normally see up in the top five. So a uh, super great finish for him. Grant Finger. a lot of people were hoping maybe he would win the race, uh, but he still came home with that 10th place finish. Um all of these cars, all of these trucks were running at the end of this race. Not all of them finished on the lead lap. Uh, in fact, 
there were only seven cars who finished on the lead lap at the end of this race, but all of the trucks were running at the end of this race. That doesn't happen very often. The margin of victory was 2.308 seconds, so uh, the win for Carson Hosevar was a pretty commanding lead. Yeah, it was. To be two seconds ahead, especially at a place like Richmond, you know, that's a, you know, that's a big piece. It's only a, technically, it's only a, I think it's a three-quarter mile track. So, um, uh, once again, congratulations to him and Tyler Jeske and Zay Smith, your uh, top three podium finishers. Yes, indeed. Let's go ahead and cover the point standing, Sal. I know we said who the ten drivers are. Uh, but we can kind of cover, uh, well, they don't have the new points up here. Do they have it? <laughs> yeah, they have the points up at uh, Jayski's, the resetted points. Oh, you want the resetted points? Yeah. Okay, the resetted points are going to be, let me go back, I was up to driver points. Okay, the resetted points are um, Corey Heim in first uh, with two wins, Zane Smith in second with two wins, Carson Osovar in third with three wins, Chris Inecki is in fourth with two wins, Grant Ingfinger in fifth with two wins, uh, Ty Majewski is in sixth, uh, Ben Rhodes is in uh, seventh with one win, Nick Sanchez in eighth, Matt D. Benedetto is in ninth, and uh, right off the top ten is Matt Crafton. So uh, there's a yeah, big uh, can... points difference between between Corey Heim and, uh, and Matt, and actually the two Matts, Matt D. Matt, Matt D. Benedetto and uh, Matt Crafton. Actually, Nick Satch is only three points behind them, so um, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, – they got a long, long uh, – the yeah, playoff points make a huge difference because even though Carson Hosfar has the three wins, he only has 21 playoff points compared to Corey Heim, who has 30 playoff points. Um, and here's the difference. Corey Heim has the two wins versus three wins, but he's got five stage wins versus just two stage wins for Carson Hosovar. Those stage wins make a huge difference for a lot of these guys. Um, Zane Smith has the two wins and four playoff points, uh, or 22 playoff points. Yeah, so, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. What's what's the now that now that now that the trucks they're going to start their chase their next race. Their next the, race is part uh, of the chase uh, to determine who the chase race. Yeah, and that next race, just so you know, is going to be um, <clears throat> next race is going to be the uh, T Sport 200 at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday, August the 11th. Uh, that will be televised on Fox Sports 1, as are all of the uh, uh, truck series races. 
but uh, yeah, that's going to be the first race of the chase for the truck series. So, two, one down, and two more uh, series to be determined with the Xfinity series and the uh, Cup series. Yeah, that's true. So it's going to be exciting. Um, you know, see how they see how they're going to stack up after the first uh, after their first race. And, uh, Absolutely. Now, you know, uh, the, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, we know Corey Heim won that regular season championship. He gets the 15 extra bonus points. Uh, that helps him a tremendous amount. But then Lane Riggs, he's been tapped to drive for Spire Motorsports at Indianapolis's truck race. So look for him to be in that number seven Chevrolet Silverado on uh, August the 11th. It says, okay, oh, yeah, there it is right there. Yeah, they show a picture of it over at J-Ski's if you want to see what his truck looks like. It's got the black and white with the bright red 7 on the side of the truck. Uh, So uh, Lane Riggs is a Bahama, North Carolina native who began his driving career when he was just 10 years old. He's accumulated six cars, uh, late model stock car tour victories dating back to 2014. So uh, it's uh, uh, pretty cool to see him getting a chance here in the truck series. Yeah, he actually has a really nice truck. Seven kind of reminds me of a a paint scheme that um, Tim Boyer ran on it when he when he was running the um, gosh, what was it, Jim Beam? The Jim Beam, yeah, that's what I was thinking. He ran a Jim Beam, yeah, that's what it kind of looks like with the black and the white and the red number. So um, yes, indeed. Okay. Maybe he's a well, big Clint Boyer fan. Yep, he sure is. He want to do, he want, he want to do a throwback to Clint Boyer. That's it, right there. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series. I know you want to do a lead-in with our guest uh, that is uh, coming up. So let's go ahead and go to Road America because uh, they had the Road America 180 uh, for the Xfinity Series this weekend. Also on Saturday, Sam Mayer, a native uh, from Wisconsin, was the winner in front of his home crowd, uh, hometown crowd at the age of 20, driving the number one Accelerate Pro's Talent Chevrolet for uh, Junior Motorsports, his crew chief. Uh, is a veteran, Marty Lindley. It was his first victory in 72 Xfinity Series races and his first victory in 12 top 10 finish of this season. Also his first victory and first top 10 finish in four races that he's uh, had at Road America. Parker Kligerman, I know, was very disappointed uh, with a second-place finish. He really wanted that victory. It was his third top ten finish in four, four races at Road America and his ninth top ten finish of the season. Austin Hill finished in third, posting his second top ten finish in three races at Road America. 
And Parker Rutzlaff finished 14th. He's also from Wisconsin. Uh, he was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, Sam Mayer, dramatic double overtime victory in Saturday's Road America 180 at the iconic Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin road course. The 21-year-old home claimed his first career Xfinity Series victory at his home racetrack, rolling into victory line and climbing into the driver's side window, window, pulling apart his driver's suit like Superman to a happy and familiar crowd. Uh, it took a double overtime for the number one of Sam Mayer to grab the lead in a hard-fought battle with the number 24 of Sage, 24 of Sage Karam. Uh, Justin Algauer and Parker Kligerman, but once he did, he went on to win that Xfinity Series race at Road America for that first win in 71 starts. Parker Kligerman picked up his best finish of the season in second. Austin Hill again was in third. He went off course a couple of times, but ended up in that third-place finish. Sage Karam uh, earned a career-best finish in fourth place, while Riley Herbst was just amazing. He overcame two spins and still finished fifth in that race. It was uh, quite a uh, rally for Riley Herbst. Josh Perry finished in sixth. Kaz Grala uh, came home in seventh. Josh Palicki, A.J. Allmendinger, and Brandon Jones rounded out the top ten. Algauer won both stages and spun while battling for the lead in the second overtime, which dropped him to an 18th place finish uh, after leading 42 of the 49 laps. There were two lead changes among three drivers and eight cautions for 15 yellow flag laps. Uh, the average speed of the race was 65.265 miles per hour. Sal, your thoughts about the top ten here in the Xfinity Series? The top ten, you have to go down to the top 18. Justin Algar, gosh, I felt so bad for that guy. He yeah. could not get a break. He was leading he was at, at all well. through all the through, through all the mess, all the turmoil at the end of the race, trying to get it finished, and finally <laughs> Sam Mir comes out on top, but you had to feel bad for uh, Cole Custer too. He was he was up there battling mm-hmm. in, in second and third, and somebody came out from seventh eighth place and r- ran across the track, and he, he was making the turn, whipped him and wrecked him yep. into the dirt. But I mean, congratulations, Sam Bear. He was running up front, you know, trying to trying to grab the win from up there too. So um, and and uh, Sage Karen was another one. Well, like you said, congratulations yeah. to Riley Herbst for the, you know, for that good um, top five finish. You know, after um, after having two spins and you know spending time in the pits to fix his car. Yes, I was amazed at how well he was able to come back uh, for that fifth place finish. Uh, he battled hard all day long and uh, was rewarded with that fifth place finish. Much better than I thought he would be able to finish, given the circumstances he had to deal with. Uh, the margin of victory in this race, 0.368 seconds, a uh, really, really uh, close finish between Sam Mayer and Parker Kligerman. Uh, there were um, 
Let's see. 49 laps. 27 cars finished on the lead lap. Uh, several other cars had incidents, beginning with Chandler Smith on lap 20, involved in an accident that took him out of the race. Brett Moffat had a hub problem, taking him out of the race on lap 23. Ryan Ellis had an accident, taking him out on lap 25. And John Hunter Nemechek, uh, he just went through all kinds of stuff. Uh, that he, but he finally had that accident that took him out on lap 31. Uh, Alex LeBay was out on lap 38 due to an accident. Kyle Seed had, Seed had brake issues taking him out on lap 39. On lap 41, two cars, Sammy Smith and Cole Custer, were both out after that accident. A rear gear issue for uh, Connor Mosack took him out on lap 44, and a transmission issue took uh, Leland Honeyman out on lap 45. So uh, a lot of issues for drivers in the Xfinity Series. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, just, his car was just torn up like crazy uh, when he was out of the race. Yeah, it was, and getting a lot of heat from um, Kyle Busch, maybe too. Yep, yep. He he uh, he uh, was not expecting to have that finish at Road America, and uh, it had to be a very disappointing day uh, for John Hunter Nemechek. So we'll see what happens. But uh, let's go ahead and cover the points report here for the uh, Xfinity Series. They've got what about four races left? Yeah, something like that. They're pretty close to to uh, wrapping it up too, getting yep. to their playoff. But um, they still got Austin Hill leading the points with um, four race wins. Sitting second is John Hunter Numichek with four race wins. Sitting third is Justin Allgaier with one win. Fourth is Cole Custer with two wins. Fifth is Josh Berry with zero wins. And now Sam Mayer finally has a win, so that puts him up in the sixth spot. And then from there, then we go to uh, Chandler Smith, who is the highest rookie, with uh, sitting in seventh place. He also had a wreck early on, and but he's sitting in seventh place with uh, with one win. Daniel Hemrick in eighth with zero wins. Sammy Smith in ninth with one win. Riley Herbst in tenth. Still holding on to that spot. Sheldon Creed in the 11th and Parker Klingerman up in the 12th spot. But like we said, once the points are reset, um, Jeb Bird will be up and will be up in front, and uh, Sheldon Creed will be the new uh, bubble driver. Yeah, Parker Klingerman actually falls below the cut line uh, with Jeb Burton's win. So that's why he was really open to win that race at Road America, but it just uh, wasn't meant to be, I guess. So he'll have to try again uh, with the next Xfinity Series race for the um, <clears throat> as they start to wind down their uh, season. The next race for the Xfinity Series is the Cabo Wobble 250 at Michigan International Speedway. That's this coming weekend, Saturday, August the 5th at 3.30 
p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, that will be televised on NBC. Uh, we mentioned Sage Karam. You know, he's hoping that he gets a full-time NASCAR ride. Uh, that fifth-place finish certainly uh, helps put him on that road. Oh, yeah, it does, it. and especially he's – but then you got to remember, Sage is more of a, a road course, you know, specialist, you know, because coming from IndyCar, you know, in IndyCar, um, all the races are all on road courses except for the – Except for the Indy 500, is the only one that that they're on that they're on ovals anymore. And and Sal, I want to get your thoughts real quick about the NASCAR series Xfinity series is now going to have a new home on the CW network starting in 2025, uh, and they'll have the CW app that you can watch it as well. Your thoughts about that news? Little by little, they're good. you're not going to watch racing unless you pay for it. That's what it's, that's what it's getting to. It's it's horrible because I mean I I I I know the revenue they're going to that they that they think they might. Who knows if they're going to generate? But man, you know what? They're little by little, they're taking it away from the fans and making the fans pay to watch racing. And how many fans are really going to want to spend the money? You know to watch. Um, to watch NASCAR anymore, you know, you, you might, you might get some that will, you might get some that'll, you know, that, that won't, I mean, shoot, it, it, it's, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't like it, I don't think it's a good thing, I think I have CW on my, on my feet, but if not, I'm not going to pay extra to watch it, I just won't watch the race. Now, do, do you, um, do you have cable, you don't have a CW network? I have cable. Isn't CW part of your cable package? Yeah, it's it's one of the it's one of the major stations. I don't know which station it is. But I mean like right now we're out. I think it's channel five and I and we're out we don't have channel five right now. Because direct T V and Channel Five are in a they're in a battle right now. So when you put out channel five it says that um it's uh it's not available. Well, that's I think it's Channel 5. Huh? Yeah, it is. It's very disappointing. Well, yep, it is. Um, the CW is, says, uh, please visit tvpromise.com for the most up-to-date information on other potential assistance. Yeah, Channel 5. Our Channel 5 is the CW network, which is KTLA. And uh, right now, as of this time, we don't have it. Wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Sal. Um, I kind of dropped my cable and went to uh, streaming, and I even have streaming TV uh, via Hulu. And um, it carries the CW network, so I've got I'm, – I'm able to get it. Um, I know a lot of people are dropping their cable for that reason. They're tired of going through the problems. That arise, especially with Direct TV. Direct TV goes through that yeah. every year, don't they? Yeah, there's always one or two stations that they don't get that they go through it. You know, they, we, they did it to us with. I remember way back they did it with the Lakers. They did it with the Dodgers. They still have it with the Dodgers. We we still can't get a Dodger home game. You know, oh, depending on where you're at, like we're in LA. Yeah, we can't get a Dodger home game, so uh, it's really sad. But um, you know, one of one of the advantages of the 
of the direct TV is having the DVR player, you know, so you can record and you don't even need to record up to, I don't know how many shows are once. I've got a DVR player on uh, Hulu, too. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Well, heck, maybe I'm going to have to switch. i got to see what channels, what stations Hulu has. Yeah, check it out, Sal. Um, I went to complete streaming service. I I got the fiber optic, optic internet, and then I dropped the cable and went to uh, live streaming, and I've never have a problem. It's and, awesome. and you have how many stations? Uh, well, there's quite stations? a few. Yeah, there's a lot of stations. Like, like a go. thousand or more? Oh, I don't know if it's a thousand. I can't say it's a thousand, so. I but know. I know. DirecTV has a thousand, and you watch maybe five. Exactly. Five say, so. It's the stations that I watch. That's all I know. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all that matters is they've got the stations that I watch. So, but that's something you might want to think about. And some of these other folks oh, that definitely. don't have it on their cable, uh, check out going to the light, to streaming. Uh, I have a Roku device, and I can get just about everything. Anything I want to watch, I can get it. I'm about to do that. So, I, have, I think we have Roku. Roku's here, but... I don't know. I just yeah, like, I guess I'm, I'm just one of those people the like TV. throwing money away. But you don't pay any extra tip for Roku. You don't pay extra for no, Roku. A, you just no, buy the device thing, and right? hook it up. Huh? Yeah. yeah, that's what a buddy of mine. He, he he hooked one up for when before I got married. Sandy said Roku here. Oh, okay. That little device, I don't know what she did with it. I, I'm going to have to ask her what she did with it because it was already all set up. Okay. Yeah, something to really think about there. Uh, and if you have if you have Hulu, then any stations that are associated with, like, NBC, you can get through the NBC app, too. See, I'm I've, I've, I've having trouble understanding all that because they they try to get me to buy the Peacock. Uh, uh, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. It's only four ninety nine, but you don't have to buy that. I don't think in order to see. Let me just check something here real quick. I think if you go to the NBC app. You can get all of their affiliated stations. Let me just check it to, to double check because I want to make sure I'm, yeah, network. I want to make sure that I'm uh, telling people appropriately. Yeah, because I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go turn my Directv off. Then I'm not gonna have no TV, just Netflix. <laughs> yeah, they've got Bravo, E, and my. Uh, USA. I thought CW was part of NBC. Well, it probably is. I mean, you got to remember, every city has its own. The Channel 5 is different. Out here, our Channel 5 is KTLA. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Let me see if it's on ABC. Because whenever, whenever you have, um, okay, whenever you have the main network, you can get all of the associated channels that go with that network. Okay, let's see here. CBS. I'm trying to figure out where the CW network is. I know we're taking up a lot of radio time here. Do you want to do a lead-in uh, for your... Uh, Shaw, again? yes. It's almost time yeah. there. Yeah. Okay, so our, our, our next guest is just uh, coming off of another win out at uh, Shasta Speedway out here in California. Um, this was his third uh, Arkham and Art Series um West Series win. So uh, I know it's an exciting race. I got to watch it myself, and, uh, you know, it was uh, it was great to see him back in victory lane, to see how he celebrated uh, doing the fence climb, going into the crowd, you know, celebrating with the crowd, doing his, his interview with the crowd and all that stuff. But, um, you know, of course, you know, what boils down to is, is, uh, is what's going on down on the track, you know, Driving that win and um, you know finally getting the um, uh, you know after after what had happened his last race you know to finally get that monkey off his shoulder and get back in victory lane it was really neat I'm sure yeah. he was uh, I'm sure he was excited about it yes uh, nothing gives you a different perspective like being out of your race car on race day and uh, I know that he had that one race suspension and I'm sure it gave him kind of a, a new energy coming into that next race. And uh I was really, really happy that he was able to come back and get that victory uh out at Jasta Speedway. Uh and I'm looking forward to talking to him uh coming up here. Uh so make sure you leave me some time. So Okay. Yeah, well. Okay. He's here, Is so he here I yet? just brought him to the queue if you want to go ahead and get started. Okay, so our our, our guest for tonight, we're going to make a quick intro, is Sean Hingarani. Uh, we've had him on the show before. We've had him on when he's won. We've had him on just to have him on. We've had him on just to see who Sean is. Well, we're going to have him on this time again because he, he won another race. So um, with that, we want to welcome you back to the show, Sean. Uh, welcome, Welcome back. Thank you. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear um, you, too. Sure can't hear you, it's okay. Okay, all right. I was just yeah, super sure excited to be back on okay. the show. You're bad, Sal. So, I know. <laughs> Anyways, so back in Victory Lane, back with Entrity Motorsports, back in Victory Lane in California, do track, what was it like? Uh, the whole weekend went great from the, just getting there, uh, practice went good with the team and, uh, they showed up, brought me a good car. So, uh, easy to work with and, um, it was cool learning a new track and, um, I love short track racing. So I had a lot of fun that weekend overall. 
So it, it seemed like the weather was a little bit different than when you guys were out here at Irondale. Was a little bit hotter. Humidity seemed like it was a little bit higher out there. Um, I seen your crew chief Kevin Reed was in shorts, which is uh, something that you don't see very often. Yeah, it was a little bit uh, hotter, a little bit more humid. It felt like um, even during race time. So, uh, it almost, it wasn't too bad. I've raced in hotter weather, but it was definitely a little bit hotter than some of the races. So what was it like to finally get back in the car? You've been off for what two or two or three weeks now. You've been off uh, because of um, well, I don't because of the one race suspension, but also because you're 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 too young to race at Pocono, and um, so you took a few weeks off. Uh, what did you do during that time? Yeah, it was nice to have uh, two weeks off, hang out with some family, enjoy myself for a little bit. Um, you know, really take some time to prepare for Shasta. And um, I think we prepared correctly, and uh, we were able to go down there and get a win. So, uh, all in all, it was a great uh, two weeks off. So, how was how was the new experience, you know, out there at Shasta? You know, um, I know out there the, the fans just really relish racing. They love it out there, you know. And um, you can tell, you know, by the, by the stands, you know, once again, you know, it looked like there was – Probably close to a sellout crowd out there, and I know, and I know that when you came into Victory Lane, that they were just loving you know every minute of it. The fans were awesome. The, the stands were packed, so it was really cool to see all the fans out there, and um, they showed some awesome support and love. So, uh, just a bunch of great fans out there, and uh, it was awesome just to win in front of all of them and share my excitement with them. So, so what did you do different from from Irondale to uh, to um, going out there in Shasta? Because I know these last two races you guys raced, they they um, well, the one in Irondale went caution free. This one almost went caution free, but um, they didn't have any um, any uh, any breaks in between. You know, in between, you know, like a halfway break, you know, or time you know come and change tires or make any adjustments. So, what was it like, you know, to run the whole? you know, the whole 150 or 125, whatever it was. Uh, honestly, we didn't do anything different than Irwindale. Uh, we showed up, we led laps and everything, but uncontrollably we got a right front flat tire at Irwindale, and we, uh, that unfortunately the wall collected us after that because we lost the steering, and obviously you lose a tire, you can't turn the car. So um, didn't do anything different at Shasta. You know, we had a really fast car and able to lead laps. So, uh, I mean, Irwindale didn't have a break either, but um, running all those laps was uh, pretty fun. Well, it seems like you're having fun out there. I mean, you you climb, you got you got another chance to climb the fans this time. You got a chance, you know, to go into the stands, you know, give give a lucky fan, you know, the flag, you know, and and also you know take the time out, you know, to do your interview from the stands, you know, rather than come down and do it, you know, next to the car. Uh, it was really cool to do the interview up in the stands and, uh, you know, in our, with all the fans and give, like you said, give one of the lucky fans a flag there. So, um, really cool. He's a young racer himself, and uh, I'm glad he got to get the flag, and hopefully he enjoys it and uh, saves it. So. so let's talk about a little bit about the racing, you know, at, at Shasta. You know, it, it seemed like it was – uh, almost looked like almost it was a one-groove track. Kind of, you know, the only way to 
the only basically the only place to pass it seemed like was on the bottom unless you had a car that really hooked up on the top. But it just didn't seem like anybody was getting any momentum up there. Yeah, it was a little bit. Uh, I didn't really run the top too much, if I'm being completely honest. There was really no need to in my position that I was in the whole race, but um, it did spray the top, the second groove of the racetrack, which I think helped it out a little bit, which I got to feel out for the first couple laps until I was able to get down and secure second place uh, before we started riding for uh, the large portion of the race there. Um, but, yeah, definitely where I made my pass to get the win was kind of beat him off the corner, on get underneath him, and uh, got into one. Uh, and kind of just drove underneath him off of uh, one there. And we got some really good restarts that race. And, you know, they weren't able to get to my bumper and try to move me out of way or anything because, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a couple of laps shootout. So I was expecting to, if they got a good restart, for them to move me out of way or something. So I had to make sure I got a good restart and clear them by a lot into one to make sure I had no pressure getting in uh, to the rest of the corners for the rest remainder of the race. Yeah, you know, that's one thing a lot of the, you know, fans don't realize, you know, is that those, those restarts are, I mean, you know what, I mean, you see a lot of a lot of things happen, a lot of things can go wrong during a restart, a lot of things can go bad, a lot of things can go good, and it seemed like you're you're on point with the restarts, you know, you know, right, you know, when they, you know, went through the, through the restart zone, you know, you're able to fire off, you know, and get up there, you know, and, and uh, you know, especially on that last restart, you know, to, you know, get up there and, uh, and hold on to the needs. Yeah, the restarts were crucial. Um, it was a, they were race winning, rest- the, the last restart was a race winning restart and uh, just been, uh, all the practice I've been doing and all the racing and stuff prepared me for that. So uh, just glad I was able to get a good restart there. So coming to the finish line, you know what, you know, you're looking, I, I know your spotter's telling you, you know, hey, you know, you got, you know, you got three, four cars, you know, behind, you know, second place, you know, uh, laps are turning really quick. You know, you guys broke the, actually you guys broke the track record, you know, for the, you know, for, you know, the, you know, fastest that the race has been, what has been run there. So what was it like, you know, as, you know, you're coming to the, you know, white and then, of course, you know, the checker probably came up pretty quick. Everyone raced really respectfully, and it was uh, awesome. Only two cautions. It was it was great. Um, you know, I think we won the race by 1.6 seconds in just a few laps. So it really showed the speed we had there in that uh, number 15 mobile one Toyota Camry. So what's it like this year, you know, to run for Venturini? You know, the season's almost over, you know, um, you know, you guys are, you're, right now you're seven points out of the, you know, out of the, out of first place, you know, and it seems like, uh, you know, like Venturini is, you know, they're giving you a really good car this season, you know, what, you know, you can be competitive with, you know, race in and race out, which is something you don't see very often. You know, you always have that one that they call a mulligan, you know, where the car just, you know, you know, I, I guess you can kind of say that maybe Erndale was that mulligan. Um, I wouldn't say exactly that. I mean, like I said, uh, we had something uncontrollable at Irwindale. We led laps, and we had a really good car. So, uh, you know, just been able to work really well with this Venturini Motorsports team, and my crew chief, Kevin Reed Jr., always bringing me a fast race car. So he works really hard day in, day out um, on my race cars, and I can't thank him enough for that.
Well, and that's not good. And you know what, Sean? I, oh yeah, I mean the team. You know, I've seen them work down there. I mean the team works their they work their butts off. You know, uh, and, you know, and it, and it, you know, and it's neat to see you know see you guys get the results that you get from that. And uh, you know, with that, uh, um, I know Sharon has some a couple questions for you. So I'm going to turn it over to her. Hi, Sean. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I just wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about Benjamin Motorsports as well because uh, what you guys are doing is something that hasn't ever been done before. Venturini's always been a Midwest organization, and you're racing uh, with them in the West Series, which uh, they've never done that before. Uh, how How is that being received in the West? Uh, I think it's awesome. And we uh, brought they uh, they like coming out here and uh, to my home. I would say it's a little bit closer. These I'm more familiar with a lot of the tracks on the west schedule, and uh, I'm glad we got we're able to work something out with uh, getting my team that I run with back east to come down here and stay uh, with the same team throughout uh, both coasts. So. Um, just like working with the same guys and everything. So they do a great job of getting the cars ready and getting them across the country. Exactly, exactly. They're coming from the East Coast, but you have the familiarity with the tracks out there. So uh, Evergreen Speedway is coming up next. So what uh, what are your thoughts going into Evergreen this weekend? Uh, not this I'm really excited for Evergreen. Pardon me? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited for Evergreen, and, um, you know, uh, nothing's changed. We got, we're got we within reach of the championship, so just looking to close the points up a little bit more and possibly even take the points lead over. But um, we're going to execute just like we do every week, and uh, nothing's going to change. Okay, so Evergreen, after Evergreen, there's uh, four more races before the finale. Is is there any one track that you're looking forward to more than the others because you nope. have the opportunity to win or, or because you've raced there before? Um, I believe that I have raced at all, not in an ARCA car, but I have raced at all of the tracks on the rest of the, the remainder of the schedule at least one time. So uh, I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to one more than the other, but um, I'm definitely looking forward to all the rest of the rest of the races and to see how we can stack up and hopefully get some more wins down the road here. Well, you're certainly one of the contenders, uh, given that you're just seven points behind uh, the first-place driver. Uh, Trevor Huddleston was your main competitor uh, this week. Who do you see as your main, main competitor overall? Uh, a lot of them guys do a great job, so it's really hard to tell who uh, our main competitors are. But um, uh, numerous guys out in the field that can uh, race for a win and race for a championship. So, you never it's really hard to tell in racing, you know, anything could happen. Uh, that's true. A lot can happen. And then you're just 16 years old, which is hard to believe. Uh, you're barely uh, able to get a driver's license, and you're out winning races. Uh, do you do homeschooling, or do you go to uh, school? Uh, I do a homeschool. 
Okay, so that's that's how you keep up uh, with your studies. Yep, that's how I do it. Okay, uh, so no classmates for you to uh, have questions from. Could you repeat that? You broke up a little bit. I said, so you don't have any classmates uh, that you hear from? No, uh, I do not. But I have a, I have friends from when I went to in-person school just a few years, uh, just a year, year and a half ago or so, and I have other friends that I get to hang out with and whatnot when I'm home in California. Well, sure. Okay, so um, Sean, what is the one thing? that people don't know about you that uh, you'd be willing to share with us? Um, I like Do you have to, any uh, hobbies racing? Yeah, I, uh, I like to just, you know, I like to spend time with family when I'm uh, down here in California. So I really try to do that as much as I can and uh, maximize my time I get with them. Okay. Okay. Well, we really um, appreciate you coming on the show. Before you go, are there any other shout-outs that you want to do before you say goodbye? Uh, Yeah, I just want to thank my uh, parents, friends, family, everyone who helps me uh, get to where I am, Uh, my girlfriend, my sponsors, Fidelity Capital, Mobile One, Toyota Racing, just – you know, everyone behind the operation that helps us win. Okay. Uh, well, and how can fans can follow you on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram? Yep, I am across all social media platforms, and the best way to reach me is on my website, and it will show you uh, to all my social medias at com. Okay, and Evergreen Speedway is the next race coming up on August the 19th. So uh, we'll definitely be looking forward to that one. Uh, Again, thanks for uh, being on the show with us, Sean. Thank you. Now? Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, Sean. You want to say goodbye? Yeah. Thanks for coming on. You know what? And once again, um, a huge congratulations on the win this past weekend. It was a hard-fought win. It was a good win. And it was good to see you back at Victory Lane again. I'm sure, you know what, um, there will be many more times that we'll see you there. So um, hopefully see you out at uh, Evergreen if I decide to make the trip out there. If not, uh, good luck out there. And, uh, and like I said, good luck the rest of the season. Thanks, I'll hope to be back on the show soon. Bye-bye. All right, uh, that was Sean Hingarani. He's the driver of the number 15 for Venturini Motorsports and uh, running second in the series point standings right now. Uh, but uh, I know he's uh, hoping to take over that top spot somewhere down the road here. Yeah, hey, I mean, Evergreen's going to be a it's going to be a good race. Evergreen's a big five eighths mile. It's fast. Um, very beautiful track, uh, very racing track, and uh, you know what? Um, I think it fits his driving style really well. He's—I know he's been there before, um, so uh, you know he's got some laps out there, and uh, you well, know, so he's pretty- gonna—you know—yeah, it'll—it'll it'll pay to his advantage. He was out there with, um, gosh, I think it was the 
SRL were out there. I know. Well, I know. I, I know he's been out there before. Yeah. The schedule, so uh, yeah. he does have familiarity there, which is uh, really good. Okay, oh, we're going to move. Last year too. That's right. Yeah. He was out there last year too when they ran over there. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to go ahead and move on to the uh, Cup Series race that took place out at Richmond Raceway, the Cookout 400. Chris Buescher came home victorious at the age of 30, driving the number 17 Fast and All Ford uh, for RFK Racing. Scott Graves is his crew chief. It was his third victory in 279 Cup Series starts and his first victory in ninth top 10 finish this year. Also, his first victory and second top 10 finish in 15 races at Richmond. Denny Hamlin finished second, posting his 22nd top 10 finish in 34 races at Richmond and his 10th top 10 finish of the year. Kyle Busch finished third for his 28th top 10 finish in 36 races at Richmond. And Ty Gibbs, who finished 15th, was the highest finishing rookie of this race. Uh, we'll move on to recap. Chris, ba- Chris Busher capped Roush Fenway Racing's dominant day at Richmond Raceway with a trophy, holding off the field on a restart with three laps left to win the Cup Series Cookout 400 on Sunday afternoon. He and his RFK, uh, but RFK, their first team victory of the season, uh, Busher and his teammate Brad Keselowski, also a co-owner of RFK, combined to lead a race best 190 of 400 laps. Busher's 88 laps out front was the most laps he'd ever led in a race during his eight years with the NASCAR Cup Series. It, uh, and it all results in an important automatic bid in the 16-driver playoff field with only four races left in the regular season. Uh, the win, uh, again, was the first of the year, the first at Richmond and the third of his career. We know Kenny Hamlin finished second, followed by Kyle Busch. Then it was Joey Logano, Ryan Priest, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., Eric Almarola, Austin Dillon, and Kevin Harvick rounding out the top ten. Busher took that lead on the final round of green flag pit stops and held off Hamlin following a late race caution. The pole winner, Tyler Reddick, led 81 laps on the day. He was running in the top five when he had a commitment line violation during the final green flag pit stops. He fell off the lead lap and ended up finishing in 16th place. Stage one was won by Tyler Reddick. Stage two was won by... Keselowski, and there were 18 lead changes among eight drivers in just three cautions for 21 yellow flag laps. Other than stage breaks, there was only one caution due to a spin by the number 99 of Daniel Suarez with nine laps remaining. The average speed of the race was 98.783 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top ten finishers uh, out at Richmond. So. Yeah, it was nice to see um, to see Bush uh, uh, get the win for um, uh, RFK. You know they they you know been working hard. You know, see Brad. You know up there. You know finishing. You know also you know in the sixth place finish. 
but um, you know to hold off um, Joey Logano and uh, and um, Danny Hamlin, you know, for the win, you know, uh, you know, was a you know uh, very good run for Chris. You know what? Um, very good run for RFK. You know, gives them a lot of uh, a lot of uh, momentum and um, confidence. You know, you know, running in, you know, towards the end of the season. You know, when especially you know Brad, you know, still trying to get that you know that one win. You know, with this with his new team. So, uh, yes. you know, congrats to him. You know, Martin Truex, you know, finished seventh. You know, then uh, Kevin Harvick, you know, still, you know, hanging in there, you know, picked himself a top ten finish. So, um, uh, you know, still looking for that, for that one win before the end of the, before the end of the season, before his, the end of his victory tour. Yes, indeed. Um, the margin of victory was 0.54 seconds between first and second, uh, so it was a close finish between uh, Chris Buescher and Denny Hamlin. Uh, what we saw in the truck series with everybody running at the end of the race also happened in the cup series. All 36 cars were running at the end of the race, uh, but only 19 of those cars were on the lead laps. The rest of the cars all finished a lap or more down. Uh, so, again, that doesn't happen very often, but it did happen in both the Truck Series and the Cup Series this week, both at Richmond Raceway. Yeah, it did. And, um, you know, uh, gosh, you know, to see that 17, you know, that used to be um, Ricky Stenhouse's old number when he was running with uh, – you know, with Relish mm-hmm. Fenway and, uh, you know, to see, you know, Chris, you know, get the win in it, you know, and, uh, like I said, you know, hold off Hamlin, you know what, um, I, I don't think it would have been a very good, uh, very popular win if Hamlin would have won it anyway. So you might as well give it to somebody who is going to be popular too. Well, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a, a pretty good race. Uh, again, we had uh, drivers that uh, kind of hung in there uh, in spite of some uh, challenges for the day, but I thought it was a very good race. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a look at the driver point standings. they got four races left to make it into the playoffs. Yep, four big races, and uh, there's a lot of uh, drivers that are interested to get in. Um <laughs> Excuse me. I, I know we spoke one time, and, and you're you had asked, "Oh yeah, who who from the bottom of the that's not in could get a win?" And we never thought it'd be Chris Buescher to get a win. <laughs> so um, now now it's like, wow. You know what? Shoot, Justin Haley might pick one up. You know what? <laughs> but anyway, so the points are. Yeah, that's true. So the points are uh, Martin Truex has needed the points. Um, on three wins, Denny Hamlin sitting at second with two wins. William Byron sitting at third with four wins. Christopher Bell in fourth with one win. Kyle Busch in fifth with three wins. And Kevin Harvick in sixth with no wins. Ross Chastain with one win. Seventh and the top eight, Kyle Larson with two wins. And then from there, then we go down to ninth is Ryan Blaney. With one win, Joey Logano with one win. Eleventh is Brad Keselowski, who is still looking for a win. Twelfth is Tyler Reddick, who has a win himself. Thirteenth uh, is now Chris, Chris Buescher, who has a win, so he's locked in. 
14th is Ricky Stenhouse, who is locked in. 15th is Bubba Wallace, and 16th is Michael McDowell. And I know there's a lot of – I don't know why they're doing the Bubba Wallace um, uh, countdown if he's going to get in. I mean, you've got Michael McDowell who's got a shot at getting in. Ty Gibbs who has a shot at getting in, you know, and they're making it the Bubba Wallace thing. You know, come on, give us a break. We've had enough of Bubba Wallace already. I'd like to well, see Ty Gibbs grab a win and knock everybody out. We're dry. Well, exactly. He's still vulnerable because he does not have that win yet. Uh, four drivers are in on points, so there's only four playoff spots left in those, and four races left. So we'll see what happens if we have any more new winners. Uh, it could uh, uh, it could mean quite a bit here uh, for those drivers that are on that bubble. Uh, Michael McDowell. Uh, right now, they're saying that he's the number one uh, candidate. If Eric Amarola retires at the end of this season, a lot of people are thinking Michael McDowell may take that number 10 car at Stuart Haas Racing. Wow, I don't, I don't know. I don't see that. Well, I'm see. just saying it's up over yeah. at Gaysky that that's the rule. Yeah, I know. I mean, they already messed up with the experiment with uh, – with Brian Priest, you know, they're going to give Brian, supposedly they're going to give Brian one more season. Um, I think they, I think they need to pull Ryan out and put some, someone else in there. This is a, a, but of course, Tony will never admit a mistake anyways. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, very interesting. Uh, I, I know that, uh, Cole, Stuart Hawes actually had a good day, um, at, uh, at um, at uh, Richmond. Richmond. Yes, thank you. At Richmond, Stuart House Racing actually had a fairly decent day uh, at that track. Let me look at the race results here again. You've got uh, Ryan Priest had a fifth-place finish. Uh, Eric Almarola finished in eighth, Kevin Harvick in tenth, and Chase Priss finished in eleventh place. That's a good day for Stuart House Racing. They haven't seen a day oh, like that in quite a while. That's an excellent day. I mean, I mean that that is a day that they wish they could have at least four or five times a season. You know, yeah. I mean that that is an excellent day. Yes, we haven't seen that from Stuart House Racing in quite some time. And the lead driver there is Ryan Priest. So uh, we'll see if he can build on that momentum uh, and they can kind of keep that going. Uh, but, uh, yeah, a very, very interesting stats there for Stuart House Racing at Richmond. Yeah, it's gonna, it is going to be interesting as the season, as the season you know, Winds down for them too, you know. You know when they get to the, you know who's going to make the, who's going to be the top sixteen. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, we still got some racing left. Well, uh, Sal, it sounded like you were at Shasta Speedway this past weekend. Are you planning to be at a racetrack this coming weekend? Nah, I, I wasn't at Shasta. I was, um, I was, uh, I just got a lot of. A lot of uh, text messages from there. Oh, no, this weekend I'm off again. I'm off again, believe it or not. It, uh, Erndale don't race until next weekend, so 
I'm just enjoying my weekends with my wife and and not being in a track is kind of weird because <laughs> I'm not used to having this this much time away. So. Yeah, you're usually at a racetrack, that's for sure. Uh, Every well, weekend, I never think. on with us for Hot Topic Sound Off, so. Oh, I can't tonight. My okay, wife's almost well, home, and I gotta, I gotta tend to her. She, she's liking the, she's liking the. Uh, the extra not, attention. Um, <laughs> yeah, the you know we're able to do things on Saturdays together, you know, and go places, you know, instead of. Instead of me getting up and taking off to the track, you know, and not seeing her until Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you uh, very much for all that you do, Sal. I really uh, look forward to the Monday night shows, and and uh, I know that uh, you uh, reached out to Sean to get him on the show tonight, and I really appreciate it. Okay. So enjoy your race week, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. All right. Good night, everybody. You guys have a good show, and we'll talk to you next week. Oh, okay. Take care now. Okay. Okay. All right. It is the top of the hour, and that means it's time for Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. And uh, joining us for tonight is, uh, first of all, Jay Huseman. He's here. And uh, I wasn't expecting you until maybe a little bit later. Well, uh, we did run a little long tonight. I think I pulled in the garage at 57 or 58. So, yeah, I was able to call in and uh, catch the last minute there with Sal. But normally I'm on about five, ten minutes early. It just wasn't going to happen tonight. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm glad you made it. And also joining us for a hot topic discussion tonight is Tommy Kraft. Welcome back to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, Jay, do you want to pick out the uh, first hot topic here tonight? Sure. Um, we'll go with the cup one. Uh, I posted this one a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, I don't even know where the article came from, but felt like that Richmond shouldn't be re-shown, that it was kind of a snoozer race. Uh, I just don't get it. I, I really don't. But I wanted to hear what you guys thought of the Richmond race. Tommy, what are your thoughts? I definitely thought this race was better than the one earlier this year. Um, and compared to the last couple years, I would say this was one of the better races at Richmond. Um, I will say that I think Richmond is a track that should only get one date. In my opinion, the only two tracks that should get two dates uh, are Daytona and Talladega um, and Atlanta, but I don't think Richmond deserves two. That's just me. Um, I wouldn't say in in the past, I would say that Richmond is kind of snoozy, but I wouldn't say this race was very snoozy. And it was really cool to see Chris Buescher win. I really thought Brad Kay was going to win his first race in the sixth car. Um, so it was pretty cool to see somebody that normally doesn't win, win. I mean, I think, was that Buescher's like third win now? But, you know, he won one last year. And before that one, he won one like five or six years ago, like a, Rain short race at Pocono. So, um, 
I definitely still think there needs to be some work done at Richmond and Martinsville and basically the short track package overall. But, yeah, I would say that that Richmond race was not snoozy compared to how it has been in the past there because there has definitely been some snoozy Richmond races. Um, I, I would like to see it get back to the way it was in the early 2000s when it was the Chevy Rock and Roll and, you know, and you had Ricky Rudd and Kevin Harvick beefing and Kyle Busch and Dale Hart Jr. beefing, but um, still wasn't wasn't bad compared to previous races at Richmond. So I'll take it. And there was a caution with, like, nine laps to go, which made it interesting. And the one thing that I noticed when I was watching it was typically in the years past, whoever had the fastest car at Richmond, to take off and have like the five or six second lead would be lapping everybody. And um, I don't think anybody got too far ahead in this race and was able to, to lap. I wonder like 14 or 15 cars still in the lead lap, which, you know, usually there's only like 10 or less. So I thought it was a pretty good race. Yeah. I kind of enjoyed the race. I, I, um, uh was a little surprised to see that some people thought it was a snoozer. Uh, Al Pierce wrote the article uh, that said that he thinks uh, NASCAR may want to put Richmond in the never show again drawer. Uh, Richmond is one of those tracks that uh, uh, kind of has some history with NASCAR, so it kind of surprises me that he would say that Richmond uh, should be put in a drawer. Um, the fact that we had a new winner, I think, was really cool. Um, uh, a team that uh, has uh, been struggling to kind of get back on track uh, was able to prevail uh, against some pretty strong drivers, uh, and I thought that was fun to watch. You had uh, quite a bit of drama. Tyler Reddick, who led early in the race, uh, missed the uh, – uh, pit road uh, line uh, and had to serve a penalty that put him back and he had to race his way back. Um, I, I thought there was plenty of uh, action in that race and uh, I, I think that the storylines were were huge. Uh, having a driver like Chris Buescher, uh beat Denny Hamlin, uh, Sal said it in earlier on the show, uh, everybody would have booed if Hamlin won. Uh, so it was good that Chris Busher was able to beat him to the line and uh, get that victory. It was a close victory. It wasn't uh, a snoozer victory. I mean, the the margin of victory I read earlier uh, was under a second. Uh, so it was a close finish. Uh, so where he gets that it was a snoozer, I'm, I'm really not getting that. At all, the margin of victory I'll give you was 0.549 seconds. Um, you had the 45 car of Reddick taking uh, the first stage, the six of Keselowski taking the second stage, uh, and Busher uh, taking that third third uh, stage win and the win of the race. So um, I thought there was plenty of action on the track, and uh, I enjoyed the race. Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Well, and his headline does say does include that, uh, aside from the storyline, and he specifically references uh, Chris Busher winning, but that is a huge part of it. 
of the yeah. different insurance. You ran through several different storylines um, that took place when it comes to RFK, the rebuilding, Busher uh, getting the win, another win for a driver that hadn't had a win yet this year. Even back in the day, I know we had some uh, bumping action like the old Bristol, if you want to go back that way. But it also goes back to, like Tommy said, uh, there was normally one or two cars that really had it figured out. And actually, A.J. Allmendinger talked about this uh, with his decision to run Road America. Richmond is one of those rhythm tracks, and you either got it figured out and do good at it, or you don't and you struggle. So, you know, that's the thing is we saw many more teams a lot closer, and you didn't see. I know in the past, I think we've gotten down to, I think, almost maybe five six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range on the lead lap at the end of the race. Um, I know there's some things they want to work on with this short pa- short track package for this next-gen car. They're aware of it. They're making progress. I just mm-hmm. I struggle to understand what it is fans or media are looking for when, they, when they're looking at these races. And I, I don't like to really compare to other sports, but if you have a bottom-of-the-ninth home run or a you know, fourth-quarter comeback in football – you don't talk about how bad the game was during that to get to that point. It is that you have the new winner. Mhm. Yeah, I, I agree. Tommy, what's your follow-up? Um, yeah, I would I would just say that you know, for a Richmond race, it was definitely better than what it has been. I wouldn't say it was snoozy because you know, it, there, like you said, there was the winner didn't win by more than a second or whatever, which in the years past, there hasn't been very many cars on the lead lap at Richmond. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I'd, I'd still like to see it get back to the Chevy rock and roll days when Kevin Harvick and Ricky Rudd were having problems and Nickelback was on the cover of all the cars. But, you know, <laughs> I just think even though it was a better race at Richmond, it still deserves only one day. Like I think next year when they do these short when they do the schedule in an ideal perfect world I guess, we would have one race at Bristol on the concrete, not dirt, one at Martinsville, uh one at North Wilkesboro, one at Richmond, um, possibly Rockingham. And then I would love it if they could get Nashville Fairgrounds back. And um, I feel like I'm leaving out a short track. But either way, all the short tracks get one race, and then the super speedways get to Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta. Um, but, you know, I guess that's because I'm biased a little bit. I, I used to include Bristol and Martinsville in there with the tracks that deserve two dates, but not anymore. And you know, I'm I'm also all for having more road courses. I'd love to see Road America back on the Cup schedule. I thought that that race there a few years ago was great. Street course was great. Um, somebody said, why not make the short track package like the street course race? Um, I thought that was an interesting take, but I don't necessarily also think it's the track. I think it's the package that they need to work on, and. Um, you know, I don't know. Like I said, it I wouldn't say it was snoozy, but it was still Richmond, and it was definitely better than what it has been over the past, I would say, last year's two races. 
the spring race this year. So step in the right direction, but um, I still think that, you know, the short track package needs some work. Yeah, and and the good news is that there's drivers that are testing a, a new short track package at Richmond this week. So uh, hopefully we'll hear some news about that uh, very shortly as well. I think another overlooked storyline in all of this is Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, you had uh, Brian Priest, who finished, uh, I think, what, in sixth place. You had Eric Almarola finishing in seventh, uh, in eighth place. Uh, Harvick finished in tenth place. And I think right behind Harvick was in eleventh place was Chase Briscoe. Uh, Stuart Haas Racing hasn't seen that good of a day for all four of their drivers in quite some time. So that's an overlooked storyline in all of this. I, I, I think... Uh, unfortunately, we have some people that are looking for uh, the one comment here kind of hits me. It says, uh, but Busher held on beating Hamlin in a three-lap shootout that didn't include even one hint of an ungentlemanly driving. So what's wrong with that? I like that there wasn't one hint of ungentlemanly-like driving. Um I think that races should be won based on talent and not wrecking each other. Uh, so I, I thought the race was a good race. I thought there were plenty of storylines uh, to look at here. And uh, uh, I enjoyed every bit of the race. Uh, and uh, I really am like you, Jay. I don't see uh, where... Uh, there is any lack of storylines in this race. Uh, and I thought NBC did a good job of covering the race. They brought up the high temperatures that the drivers were dealing with. And so, you know, uh, Busher actually said, I love it when it gets hot and slick. Uh, I like searching for grip and having the line moving around. That made it fun. So I'd like to think that more than Busher found that race fun to drive, but I, I do agree with what A.J. Allmendinger said, uh, that either you find your rhythm or you don't, and when you don't find that rhythm, it's a little bit more of a struggle. But um, that's what the premier series of NASCAR should be. It should be good, clean racing uh, for a, uh, a win, and uh, overcoming whatever they have to deal with, whether it be the heat or their competitors or whatever. Um, to me, that's the distance and the length of the race. I think that's what it should be about, and that's what this race was all about. So I thought it was a good race, and um, I'm, I'm scratching my head as to why somebody would think it was a snoozer. Jay, you get the final word here. Yeah, yeah, I really don't have anything to add because it just confuses me. Um, I know Dave Moody likes to to ask uh, callers when they call into his show anyway, you know, was it a bad race because your driver didn't win? Is that what makes it a bad race? You know, uh, Talladega Daytona, you got side-by-side most of the time, side-by-side racing all day long. You're not going to get that at any other track. There's not going to be a pass for the lead every lap, multiple laps or whatever, Okay. So if that's what you're looking for, you, you know, you're only going to get that at a couple of tracks. 
but there were different lead changes. Um, I know some of them were under caution. I think that was one of the things that was mentioned in the article. I understand that, but again, look at it as a whole. Of a, we've gone through five, six, seven different great storylines. And to me, especially as we head into the playoffs, you know, um, that is what makes the race interesting and, and me involved in it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, and I'm not one that I have a favorite driver or two, but I enjoy a race. If they end up out early, I'm like, that's a bummer, but I still watch the race. I can find out who won, uh, you know, because if I'm at the racetrack or gone for the weekend, I know who wins. I still go back and watch the race, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a good one. Okay, Tommy, you get to pick uh, the next hot topic. All right, let's go with, um, let's see here. How about um, SHR wants Almirola to decide soon for 2024? Okay, Jay, your thoughts there? Well, I'm not sure this needs to be a public statement like that, but obviously um, there's a lot of moving pieces. Some of them already filled in when we talk about Kevin Harvick and his replacement with Josh Berry. Sponsorship, obviously, huge for NASCAR teams right now. Um, I know that kind of ties in with Eric Almirola. But also then the other drivers. I mean, if if it happens to be somebody they pull up from the Xfinity, that might mean they need to fill some things on the Xfinity side. So there's a lot of things that go with this, and you obviously want to have it done sooner than later. Understand it's a it's a life-changing decision he's making. He's already made once and got talked into coming back. Um, last year, um, so you don't necessarily want to put pressure on him. I know Joe Gibbs with uh, Martin Truex is kind of in the same boat. There, mm-hmm. The favoring t- factor is Truex is winning races, should be contending for the championship. Eric Almirola is not necessarily. But as you mentioned, Sharon, we're seeing improvement with that team at least for this weekend. We saw a good run for the entire team um, with three in the top ten um, for SHR. So that always helps. Now the question to me also becomes, and I know Andy's brought this up, even if you get driver lineup, everything squared away, who's your leader of that team? Because it has been absolutely Kevin Harvick for several years. Um, and I think maybe that's where Stuart Haas Racing is looking at really wanting Eric Elmerola, not just to make a decision, but come back, because he would be the elder statesman to lead that team. Yeah, I agree. I, I I understand why they made a decision soon. Uh, same thing's true with Martin Truex Jr. It takes so much time uh, to replace a driver when they move on, uh, whether it be for retirement or moving to a different team. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And the sooner a team knows what the situation is, the sooner they can go about their business of uh, taking care of business, if you will. Um, And uh, so I get it. But at the same time, I I really hope they give these drivers uh, some time as they go into the playoffs here. Um, And Stewart House Racing as an organization has been off their game for the last several years. So this was a huge accomplishment, Uh, I think, this weekend, having all four drivers finish in the top 11 
Um, and to me, that's a sign that they, they're kind of beginning to turn that ship. And I think that that's something that would play into Eric Almirola's decision about whether he wants to stay or whether he feels it's time to retire. So uh, I hope that gives the, the drivers time. Now, uh, Martin Truex Jr., uh, they're wanting him to decide, too, but he's not—he's he's, kind of holding firm with he doesn't want to make that decision yet. So um, I, I do think Michael McDowell, they're saying, is a favorite to replace Eric Almarola. So to me, they're getting ahead of their—they're they're putting the horse before the cart here uh, when there is no decision yet. So um, uh, I hope that they uh, take some time here. Uh, and really work this out. Tommy, what are your thoughts? Um, so, uh, I don't know what to think, honestly. I mean, Stuart Haas definitely has the question marks, I think, this offseason versus any other team. We've already got Josh Berry replacing um, Kevin Harvick in the four car. We know for a fact. Josh Berry is Chase Briscoe. Uh, you know, Almirola changed his mind last year and came back for this year, and I feel like he's had like a few chances to win or close to winning, but then making mistakes, or if he's not making mistakes or getting in the wreck, you know, his pick crews take them out of contention. So SHR has just had a down year this year, honestly. Um, I don't, I don't think Crease or Almirola is going to be back, but I don't really see them pulling Cole Custer back up either. Um, I mean, I, I think Cole's got two wins this year in the Xfinity series, but I feel like everybody felt like he was going to dominate this year. But then thinking again about Josh Berry, I felt like he was going to dominate this year at Junior Motorsports and. He subbed in for Chase Elliott, and I think he finished in the top five at Richmond, and then they immediately gave him a contract to Stuart Haas. And then after that, he's kind of gone downhill at um, Junior Motorsports this year. He had a good year last year. He definitely proved that, you know, he – I mean, I feel like Josh Berry does deserve a cup ride, but, I mean, Harvick's going to be hard to replace. And I have seen where Michael McDowell's been linked to – going to Stuart Haas Racing. I've also heard where, you know, uh, the guy that won the Chicago Street Course, um, SVG, um, you know, he's going to have a full-time cup ride next year, but nobody knows where. You know, is he replacing Almirola? Is Michael McDowell replacing Almirola? Um, and, you know, there's some other guys, I think, in the Xfinity Series that are ready to come up and be at Cup and uh, one of them is John Hunter Nemechek, who actually raced a few years ago at the Cup Series level um, for front row, and he did pretty good that year. Uh, I think he had a couple top tens in what's now the 38 car, I think. I mean, nothing against Todd Gillen and Matt Piff and the other guys that have driven that 38 car, but in my opinion, it hasn't been 
that hasn't been a good car since John Hunter Nemechek left. And then he goes back to trucks in the Xfinity Series, and, you know, he's collecting wins. So I think it's time to pull John Hunter Nemechek up. But he's a Toyota driver. Um, you know, I would, I would still make the argument for Cole Custer needs to be pulled up. What about Zane Smith? What about Carson Hosevar? I heard Carson Hosevar is going to skip going to the Xfinity Series and go right to Cup. But where? Is he going to the Spire car? Is he going to be Amarola's replacement? I mean, like I said, to me, there's not very many rides available at the Cup level. And the two question marks right now belong to Amarola's car and Ryan Priest's car. But, you know, they're Ford drivers. So that makes you think Michael McDowell's, Wayne Smith um, has some options. So, you know, I don't, you know, who knows? But, yeah, you know, who is going to be the leader? Jay had a good question there. Who is going to be the leader of Stewart Haas? Because Harvick's going to be gone. You know, Tony Stewart, not trying to diss him or anything, but he runs the SRX, does drag racing, you know. He's involved in a lot of other stuff, so he's not solely focusing on Stuart Haas, I feel like, in my opinion. But, I don't know, they need to do something, because they they've had a bad year this year, and either they need to finish this season strong, or they need to be looking at making major changes for next year. Okay, Jay. Yeah, well, and as you talked about Michael McDowell, I think that's where the factor comes in of looking for a veteran driver. I know we've heard the name Carson Hosevar and Zane Smith um, both pop up as well. And I think this is where you play the dominoes game. Because if Almirola retires and Michael McDowell goes into the number 10 car, then I think Zane Smith or Carson Hosevar are two that are possibly being considered to go directly to Cup. Uh, I'd heard that as well as Tommy mentioned. Those are two that might get directly into the Cup series. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I personally think Priest is going to be okay. The question mark would become of, to me, which everybody has, is does Custer get brought back up uh, into the fold? We, we've seen him make three starts, uh, has three starts with uh, RWR. Um, and I think he showed he still has it for whatever reason, just wasn't adapting at the Cup Series, and they wanted to give Ryan Priest a job, uh, a chance. And I don't think overall, especially with where the company's been at this year, Priest has done any better or worse than what Custer was. So I don't see why they would take him out of it, give him a, you know, uh, I think Custer had three years. He did have a win um, in his rookie season. But I think you've got to give Priest that same opportunity. Uh, and that's why I think if they want to keep within the organization, they go to Cole Custer. But again, then, who is your veteran leader? And I think that's why they're heavily looking at Michael McDowell because we've heard that for a long time this season that he has kind of been linked to that if Al Marola were to decide to retire. Yeah, it's it's a lot of ifs here. <laughs> and and that's why I think they're putting the cart before the horse. Um, and I understand they probably want to be prepared for either eventuality. But... Um, uh, Andy, I know, was very happy that the Stuart Haas Racing uh, drivers did really well this week, but he also has a disclaimer here. He says uh, only the short, tro- program, short track program is fixed. 
Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done at Stuart Haas Racing. So that could be part of the reason why they want Michael McDowell as well, um, because Michael McDowell has uh, <clears throat> figured out a way to be very successful at Front Row Motorsports, uh, which in the past has been a backmarker team. I'm sure the next-gen car helps uh, kind of even the playing field, if you will, uh, but McDowell uh, could be the driver that takes that leadership role at uh, Stuart Haas Racing. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. Uh, these kind of things always frustrate me a little bit because uh, Al Marola hasn't made it ages, a decision yet. Martin Truex Jr. hasn't made a decision yet. Um, so let them make their decision before you start uh, replacing them, and um, we'll kind of see what happens. It will be interesting to see what um, Stuart Haas Racing does on a track other than a short track uh, and and see if they have actually righted the ship here. But um, <clears throat> I just think they're getting ahead of themselves. Tommy, you get the final word. A lot of time, Sharon. Oh, let me take the, yeah, thank you. Uh, we are at that point of the show that I do an announcement uh, for those that are listening for perhaps the first time. Uh, we want to let you know we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, but we are going to continue our conversation, and we will record that part of the conversation as part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. The podcast, uh, uh, what will happen is I'll come out on Twitter and Facebook as soon as we finish our conversation here to let you know that the podcast is available. And at that point or at any point at, at your earliest convenience, all you have to do is go to the podcast player and fast forward to our mark in order to hear the rest of the conversation. So that way, uh, hopefully no one will be caught off guard when we go off air mid-sentence, and uh, you'll feel comfortable knowing that you can hear the rest of the conversation on the podcast. So uh, thank you uh, for tuning in, and uh, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, finish out our thoughts here. Uh, But, Tommy, what are your final thoughts? So Truex in the 19, that is the other car with a question mark. Um, But, you know, I feel like they would most likely pull up a Toyota person. But, I mean, Truex has had a really good year this year. I mean, if he wins the championship, I could see him retiring going out on top. But we're still a long ways to go from that. And personally, I think he's had a good year this year. So I wouldn't see why he'd retire. I'd see him coming back. you know, we already know that SVG is going to be racing somewhere at the cup level next year because I've seen where that is confirmed from a multiple Well, they're not sports. saying cup level. They're saying likely one of the lower tier series so he can become comfortable with the ovals. Okay. Okay, but um, oh, well, I thought I saw one that said that he was going going somewhere, but you know, like I said, the two the two 
open cars for sure at the moment, I think, are Almirola and Priest. I know that that's not really confirmed, but I mean, still, they seem like the two likely options. Probably the 38 car at um, front row. And if Michael McDowell leaves in the 34 car and goes to the 10 car, then, um, you know, the, the 34 car front row would be open. I would probably say the next one would be the 77 car at Spire as an open car, and possibly Truex. Um, so, I don't know. Like I said, or like you said, you know, time will tell, but speculating where are these these guys going to go. Like I said, there are some Xfinity and truck guys that I feel like deserve to go up. Uh, one I left out is Austin Hill. meant to mention him earlier. And uh-huh. um, yeah, I think I brought up Carson Hosevar skipping, but I mean, he's won a couple races this year. So, then, like I said, John Nemechek, Cole Custer, so there there are some guys that are probably going to be pulled up, but where are they going to go? So I guess we'll see, but I sure don't know about Almirola Priest or, um, you know, Ty Gillen's car. Oh, Zane Smith left him out again, you know. I guess we'll just see. But I'm definitely ready to see silly season. The only one that we have confirmed so far is Justin Haley going to Rick Ware. Yep, that's the only confirmation. Uh, Jay, what's our next hot topic? Well, I was reading up on that. Uh, I was with you, Sharon. Uh, Tommy kind of put the the cart before the horse. SVG said he is going to pursue NASCAR. Um, and in it, it talks about nobody goes directly to Cup, so it is going to be appear to be in one of the uh, lower tiers, as as it says, uh, most likely Xfinity. But it doesn't even say which team. I know it kind of said something about Stuart Haas Racing. He obviously raced with uh, Trackhouse Racing, who doesn't have an Xfinity Series program. So it will be interesting to see where. Yes, indeed. And that's one. Of, is that the hot topic you want to go to next? Yeah, uh, I was going to use that as uh, since Tommy already, uh, like I said, uh, started it. We'll just go ahead and go with it. Okay, Tommy. Uh, thoughts about Shane Van Gisbergen? Um, probably Xfinity or Truck Series. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Where would he go? Well, um, so I'll start with trucks. So he won for Trackhouse in the Chevy, and uh, I'm not I'm not too sure if I'm right on this, but I feel like doesn't um, who who Carson Hosevar drives for? Don't they kind of have like an alliance with um, Trackhouse? Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know if that's because I feel like when Chastain races in the trucks, he races for. Um, most of ours team. Nice. I can't think of that. Nice. Yeah, nice motorsports. But um, maybe they don't have the alliance with Trackhouse, but I feel like SVG, that would be a good fit for him there since he won won the race in, in a Chevy. Um, for Xfinity, I can think of a couple rides that are going to be open, though. 
Um, Josh Berry is leaving Junior Motorsports, so the eight car should be open. Um, and I, I heard, now I don't know if this is true or confirmed yet or not, but there was rumors that Brandon Jones was going to go back to Joe Gibbs. That would leave the nine car open, and I think he was going to go back to the 19 car. Uh, I'm not, I, guess, I don't think the 19 car is full-time this year at the Xfinity level. Um, you know, if Cole, if Cole Custer gets pulled back up to Cup, um, then the, you know, the double zero in the Xfinity level would be open. So maybe that's an option. Um, You know, maybe uh, maybe a ride at um, Colleague. You know, Justin Haley's moving into Cup, so maybe they're going to make some moves. Oh, well, Austin Hill, if he leaves wherever he goes, if this is a calling at Cup level or calling at the Xfinity level, that opens up the 21 car, and that's also a Chevy. So, I mean, there's definitely going to be some options. And I, another one I thought about, too, was – and just thinking outside the box, SVG won, and I think he's the only, like, before him, I think there was Marcus Ambrose who won for JTG Daughtery, and I know they're only a one-car team now and not an Xfinity team, but what if Brad Daughtery, you know, made, brought back his Xfinity program or went two cars a cup? And brought SCG because, you know, we saw him do that with Ambrose. Um, or, you know, what if uh, what if Trackhouse decides to make a, an Xfinity team and keep SCG? So there's definitely going to be some options, I think. Yeah, I do think that there's going to be options for SVG. I think uh, a lot of people are going to want to jump on that uh, if he does, in fact, become available. Uh, So uh, there's certainly been hints that uh, he wants to be available and uh, is looking forward to an opportunity of um, uh, racing with NASCAR uh, although I think they said too, let me look at this again, um, that he had a contract, <clears throat> but he wants to make a permanent switch from the supercars to NASCAR next season. He's under a contract with Triple Eight in supercars next year, but the team has been clear that it will release him if it's needed. So he's he's opened the door. Uh, with the team uh, being able to release him, and they have confirmed that an early exit is now all but certainty for Van Gisbergen. So uh, it's going to be interesting. You pointed out several options that he might have in the Xfinity Series, the truck series, uh, but I don't see him coming directly uh, into the Cup Series. I think that uh, it's going to be either the Xfinity Series or the Truck Series. And personally, I would like to see him come into the Xfinity Series and see what he does there um, and, be, and spend some time there. Uh, and I think he would make the Xfinity Series uh, a lot of fun to watch again uh, if he were to do that. So time, time always tells the rest of the story. But I'm pulling for the Xfinity Series 
uh, for Van Gisbergen. Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, with, with his age and, and the, the way this has developed, I think the Xfinity series is the route he's going to go. Um, I know you read the first part of that uh, article, Sharon, um, referenced Triple Eight and Supercars agreeing to release him if needed. And it says with the uh, Australian media, he did uh, confirm that he is on the hunt for a next, uh, NASCAR program next year. When asked if it would be full-time deal, he said he wasn't sure, although that appeared to be referenced to a full cup program. When you look at it, uh, he said, when I study it, Marcus Ambrose did three years before he went to cup full-time. Juan Pablo was pretty much a full season as well. Nobody has gone into cup. Um, so, yeah, full-time in the Xfinity series and then getting some cup starts probably at uh, road courses, maybe some of the oval tracks that the Xfinity series doesn't run. Because, again, it's to work on his, it says, acclimate to oval track racing. Um, mm-hmm. There are a whole lot of options when it comes to the Xfinity series. It would be a, ma- a matter of manufacture. Um, we're all limited when it comes to Ford, but Toyota, as Tommy mentioned, there's a couple of Toyota spots that are, are open or possibly. I had not heard that Brandon Jones uh, rumor. Um, that would be really interesting. But there is one with Junior Motorsports, if it were to stay with Chevy. Um, College Racing is another one, especially because then they could maybe get that 10 full-time again, which has been a, a rotation. The car is full-time, but not a driver. The thing I find interesting is he's not coming necessarily with sponsorship because Red Bull has expressed that they have no desire to come back into Cup. They did that. They got what they wanted out of it, and their marketing is in countries outside the U.S. Uh, they achieved what they wanted out of U.S. marketing. Uh, I'm trying to think of how they phrased it. And GoDaddy said the same thing when they left Danica. Um, they had gotten the maximum exposure that they felt they couldn't get anymore. Uh, so, so that opens the door with some new companies. And then especially if it's in the Xfinity series, you think about this. We had this for the hot topic last week. CW uh, being an exclusive home for the Xfinity series starting here in 2024, I believe. Um, or does that 25. not start until 2025? Okay, that starts in 25. Um, with that, though, that, that uh, channel being in all markets on all, uh, not just cable television, uh, your public television basic uh, channels, um, could be really interesting as far as new sponsors wanting to hop on, especially with, I think, Vin, Vin Ginsburg, the name alone is going to bring attention, so if, at least for a couple of years. Then it will depend on how well he does. We saw that with Juan Pablo Danica. Uh, coming in, he's going to have a lot of attention no matter what. The sponsors want to jump on early. The better he does, the more it will carry on. That is very true. Tommy, any follow-up? I wish he could bring Red Bull back. That would be awesome. Haven't seen them since the 83 and 84 car. And um, who were those drivers? Brian Vickers, AJ, and um, Scott Speed. And I think Casey Kane drove the Red Bull car, too. So, yeah, that would be cool to see them come back. That would be, what was that, like 2010, 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. Um That'd be awesome to see that that come back, but um, doesn't sound like they're interested. So, you know, 
there are there's just going to be uh, one other option I was thinking about is if Zane Smith leaves in the truck series. Uh, that's an open Ford uh, truck for him to go into. And, um, you know, I was thinking <sighs> Thor Sport has Ben Rhodes and Tom Majeski right now, but, you know, Matt Crafton is getting – Getting it's getting about time for him to probably retire from the truck series, but I feel like he comes back every year. He seems to not ever want to retire, so but maybe he would be an option. Uh, I don't know if there's any plans for Haley Deegan yet, so um, maybe he can slide into you know her seat or tie Majeski's seat. Uh, the at GMS they've got um, Grant Infanger, in but. Whoever's driving their other car, he really hasn't made much noise this season. So, you know, maybe that's a possibility. But, there, you know, who even knows? We're probably saying all this stuff, and he probably ain't even going to end up in one of those rides. So I guess we'll see. But um, there's definitely going to be some options. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. I just think it would be really cool if he does come and uh, I'm hoping it's the Xfinity Series. So, Jay, you get to wrap this one up. Yeah, and there really isn't any more because that's all the details we got. I think once we find out a manufacturer, whatever manufacturer courts him, um, you'd have to kind of start with Chevy since that's who he got his uh, opportunity with, but there may be other ties we don't know about. Uh, I think once we know the manufacturer, then I think we'll have a little bit better uh, direction on where to look. Um, I do expect it to be in the Xfinity series just because it is similar to the cup car. I know they said there's not the same uh, transition. And uh, I think it was Richard Petty that said going from trucks to cup at, at this, in this day and age is no different um, because the Xfinity is so different from the cup. But I do believe it will be in the Xfinity series. Okay. Tommy. You get to bring up the next hot topic. Okay, so I actually want to go with the uh, Paul Tracy being suspended from the SRX race because I actually saw that race on Thursday and direct, and I kind of want to talk about him being suspended. Okay, Jay, did you see the race? I was going to say, I'm happy for you, Tommy. I did not get to see the race. For some reason, my programming will not record these races. I've only gotten to see one out of the three so far. But um, I had heard what had happened, uh, saw some of the replays. It baffles me to a certain level. Um, Paul Tracy is one that has made been in all 15 races so far for the SRX. This will be in their third year. This is the way he's raced in all 15 of those races. This series has kind of made it acceptable um, to race like this. I don't want to say they encourage it, but it's been acceptable. Uh, And we've seen Tony Stewart have some issues. uh, Several different drivers, multiple have had issues with Paul Tracy and the way he he has run. But it's been acceptable, and all of a sudden it's not. Um, To me, it looked like kind of the same move that Denny Hamlin had pulled of drifted him up to the wall. He had a choice of check up or hit the wall. And when he hit the wall, it turned him. Um, So I I don't know why they opted to immediately go to suspension. 
um, I, and, and not being involved in the series. Don't know if they were warned about it, if he specifically was warned about it. To me, I think they should have said, hey, we need to, to bring it down a notch first. But we also have seen this year that NASCAR has suspended drivers and the Arkham Menard series followed suit with Sean Hingrani, uh, guest earlier from the night tonight. So I don't know if they're following suit and trying to establish, hey, this isn't going to be allowed in any series so that as you move into other ones, you don't have to adjust. I really don't know. It was a little shocking. Like I said, he has raced the same way in all 15 races he has run in. All of a sudden, it's wrong. And my first thought was Ken Schrader is the one that said he would never race with him again. Uh, I don't know if then they feel Schrader has a little more clout being uh, buddies with Tony Stewart and racing with him. I don't know. Well, that's what it sounded like to me. Uh, I know Ken Schrader uh, was not happy uh, with the situation, and he said if uh, Paul Tracy stays in SRX, he's finished. He's not going to come back to the series as long as Paul Tracy is still racing. So I think that was a way of forcing uh, the organization's hand in making the decision. I thought it was interesting that they suspended him but gave no time frame for when he could come back. So it sounds to me like they're uh, just saying don't come back uh, and they want him out of the series. So um, it wasn't just uh, Schrader's car that was impacted. It was also Newgarden. Uh, who was racing in the series uh, that was impacted as well. But, yeah, it it surprises me that uh, it took someone saying, I'm not going to come back in order for for the organization as a whole to do something about the the, uh, aggressive driving. Because you're right, Jay, they've been driving aggressively now that somebody has uh, kind of stepped up and said something, uh, they're saying that they take it very seriously, and uh, that's why they're going to suspend him from the the series. So um, I think it, it's I think it, that kind of aggressive driving should be because let's kind of keep in mind the cost of doing business here. There's just six races in the SRX. And uh, these guys are racing on a a shoestring in some cases, maybe, uh, in order to race within the series. And if your car gets beat up, uh, so what's the point of being a a part of the series uh, if there's only the six races and now you've got to rebuild a car in order to get be able to race in the next race. And it's a short time frame for them to fix those cars before the next race because they're racing every Thursday night. So I can understand where Schrader's coming from. It just makes me wonder why it took them so long to make that decision on Paul Tracy if he's been driving like that. But I'm not so sure that he's the only driver that's been driving like that. And maybe they're using him as the example uh, to discourage other drivers from driving like that, too. I don't know. I wish NASCAR would make a decision about aggressive driving and, and suspend some drivers. They're not going to suspend indefinitely, but I think in some cases uh, they should be suspended for a race at least. 
Tommy, what are your thoughts? You know, from what I when I was watching it, yeah, Ken Schrader was pretty upset. Like he did say, they asked him after the race or after the wreck, um, and he was like, "I'm not going to be racing with him on the track ever again," or something like that, something along those lines. And then they interviewed Paul Tracy, and he was just like, "Oh." hard racing or whatever but like like you guys have said from day one in the srx he's been the bad guy the one that's been racing aggressively honestly what i think it is is we're in the third season and the last two races have had quite a few wrecks and i don't know what srx's inventory is but i do know that before uh, the race, Tony Stewart and the guy that's now running it that's not Ray Evernham was like you, Hulk or whatever his name is Hulk, like yeah. that. you John, guys are tearing up yeah that's it and he's like you guys are tearing up too many cars and then what does Paul Tracy go out there and do I mean watching the replay I'm not going to say I side with him but it was you know, hard racing, and he did wall the guy um, and caused, like, a four- or five-car pileup. So I can see where Tony Stewart and Ken Schrader were upset and, you know, did the suspension. But, um, you know, they didn't even say how long. They just said he was suspended. So who knows if he's suspended for the race or, you know, the rest of the year. But either way, they only run six races, and he's a full-time driver. So... Definitely uh, hurting him this week by not being able to race or however long he's out. Um, you know, uh, you said you'd like to see NASCAR start doing it. Uh, you know. It's a slippery slope. I know that. Well, yeah, I kind of agree, but at the same time, I'm also – this is just coming from me being an NFL fan, too. Sometimes I feel like the fine doesn't work, but at the same time, I feel like since these guys are at the top level, a fine is what is what should be done. Maybe they should be finding them more to keep them from doing it, but if they definitely want to get their attention, suspending is the way to go. Because sometimes the fine just doesn't work, in my opinion. Like, had Chase Elliott been fined at Charlotte, versus being suspended for wrecking Denny Hamlin or Bubba last year with Kyle Larson, I feel like a fine wouldn't have gotten the point across. So the suspension was the right move. Um, but, you know, but like with Denny and Kyle Larson this past week at Pocono, you know, I don't think a suspension was needed. Um, I don't even know if a, a fine was needed there, but I mean, <laughs> Denny, Denny can say whatever he wants to say, but, he definitely knows he didn't pass Kyle Larson cleanly to win that race. And the fact that he keeps on saying he didn't touch him is crazy. I mean, I don't know. At least Paul Tracy admitted it after he totaled the field in SRX. He lost hard racing going for a position. I mean, at least he, he owned up that he totaled the field and didn't say, oh, I didn't touch him. Yep, that's a good point. Jay, what are your follow-up thoughts? Well, I say I didn't get to get the opportunity to watch the race. So if you're saying they had kind of addressed this even prior to the race of that of the cars they've been tearing up, 
because it is all on the SRX that they provide the cars. Um, you know, I think that was also in Trader's uh, comments. He said, you can tell these guys the way they race. They don't have to be the ones to fix them or replace them. Um, and then with that, of uh, it says after Thursday night's race, series owner, which is Tony Stewart, indicated the decision was going to be imminent uh, during a front stretch interview um, that's on YouTube. And he said it's quit having the guys who are tearing cars up come back. Uh, one of the things I look at of the possibility, as I've mentioned, it feels to me like it's been acceptable over the two-plus two years now that they've been doing this. But by moving to Thursday nights, we've seen it. You can get more drivers involved. Uh, Kyle Busch was one of your victors, uh, made his first start. Brad Keselowski, uh, Ken Schrader has come to uh, supposedly be full-time. We'll have to wait and see how this plays out. I think the fact that they have more options now as far as drivers, and especially if these drivers are saying, hey, we're not going to tolerate this, you know, maybe that is what it finally took of somebody just saying, hey, we're not going to, I'm not going to tolerate it. You know, you won't get me back. That's when you start running into a problem. Um, so I think a couple of things might have played into this. And, and as I said, you know, it eventually becomes tiresome. Uh, Sharon, I'll let you do your spiel of once, twice, or three times. And this is the <laughs> third year. It's not just one race, two races, three races. This is third year. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, that, uh, you guys have heard me say it a lot of times. I got it from a high school teacher who said, first time's an accident, second time's a coincidence, but by the time you've done it the third time, uh, that's become a bad habit. So, um, and, and uh, it sounds like this guy's done it more than three times. So he's way beyond the bad habit stage. Uh, but you, you bring up some interesting points about why they might be making that decision at this particular stage of the game. Uh, maybe before they were hurting for people to be in the series, and so they don't want to let anybody go uh, at that point. So that makes sense. The fact that they're on Thursday, they have plenty of people that are available on a Thursday uh, to be in the series. And so if you've got drivers that are, uh, like Tony said, the same cast of characters that are beaten up on cars, then that's the cast that you've got you've to do something about it in order to maintain the integrity of the sport. And, and the cost of doing business is a cost associated when you're wrecking that many, many cars. And if the drivers aren't accountable for that, uh, and the series is, is providing all those cars, why wouldn't they want to put a stop to that? Uh, I think it makes sense that they'd want to put a stop to that and should put a stop to it. So um, I'm, I'm all for them uh, suspending him and uh, saying, we don't want you back. Uh, and there's one thing about good hard racing, but there's also, uh, you know, if you're wrecking cars, what Kyle Larson did, he did not wreck anybody with what he did. Um, what Denny Hamlin did, he definitely impacted the finish of that race uh, by taking one of his competitors out of the competition. So uh, there's a big difference when you're wrecking cars and when you're good hard racing, you're not wrecking each other. 
so I take exception to that comment. Um, if you're wrecking cars, you've taken it too far. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? I don't have much to add other than, I guess, without Paul Tracy just coming up Thursday, there might be uh, less drama and not as many totaled cars on the track. And maybe uh, Ken Schrader will uh, run the race since Paul Tracy's not. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, huh? Oh, and uh, actually, one last thing. Junior even said last week on Twitter, after that accident happened, he said, if you got Ken Schrader mad at you, you messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good comment. Okay, we're at the top of the hour, so we're going to have to call it a night here. Uh, let's go ahead and do our roundtable. Jay, we'll start with you. All right, you follow me on Facebook, uh, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. Another great night of discussing all the different hot topics and things uh we may or may not even know what we're talking about, but uh, part of that is just the speculation. Always a good time. Uh, enjoyed having Tommy here tonight. I didn't even take a shot at you, Tommy. I was going to say something earlier. You want you want Richmond to lose a race. I say we take it from Richmond and give it to Texas. <laughs> I don't think that's going to fly. Tommy, what are your thoughts? So, I don't even I don't even think Texas deserves a date, but that's just me. Um, at since 95 fan on Twitter, uh, give me a follow. I don't really tweet much anymore, but maybe I'll start back. Oh, okay. Well, Tommy, we miss your uh, uh, cars, uh, the diecast cars, and given the date, uh, that was always a lot of fun to watch. Um I am Bamfor Racing site on Twitter and Bamfor uh, Racing blog and radio on Facebook and uh, our website. And uh, I always enjoy the the uh, hot topic sound off discussions as well as our preview part, review and preview parts of the show. So uh, thanks for being here, Tommy and Jay. You guys always do a good job. And uh, you're right, Jay. Sometimes we're we're kind of uh, uh, speculating quite a bit uh, based on the rumors that are out there. But that's part of what Hot Topics is all about, I guess. So uh, I can't wait to see what actually does happen on some of these storylines and, and uh, how it all uh, does play out. So uh, thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate you. And uh, Jay and I will be back for our podcast show on Thursday, so watch for that sometime on Thursday afternoon. And uh, then we'll look forward to the weekend of racing uh, that is coming up. So with that, guys, I guess we're ready to call it a night and uh, sign off. Good night. Good night, everybody. That's a wrap. We'll see you on Thursday. Good night.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.